Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Now, here's your host, James Landry. Welcome to the Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm glad you chose to listen in today. We have a special guest here today, Mr. Joe Donovan, JDLLM, from NFP Insurance Services outside of Boston. A lot of it is multiple perceptions people have had about insurance. Either they've been talking to an advisor who tries to convince them that life insurance is the solution for every one of their financial problems, or they tell you life insurance is a waste of time. It's like any other financial tool in the toolbox that should be used properly. Joe is here because today we are going to be discussing the multiple roles that life insurance can play when it comes to estate, business succession, key employee, and other areas of financial planning. Also joining us again for the discussion is Palace Capital CFO and partner, Charlie Evangelakos. People don't even know which direction to turn. There's always these aggressive life insurance guys that have an agenda, and I think it's really important to be able to explain it to a client so they really understand the proper use of it. So we've talked with Charlie before a few times, but who is Joe Donovan? Well, Joe is a principal at NFP Insurance Services, and NFP Insurance Services is one of the largest independent life insurance producer groups. He has spent his career implementing wealth transfer, charitable and business succession planning strategies for high net worth and ultra high net worth families. And Joe's experience includes practicing with a big four accounting firm, a law firm, and managing a legal team at a major insurance company. His legal accounting and insurance industry experiences make Joe adept in the sophisticated use and design of life insurance products. He has a personal ability to connect with the client's advisory team. His team approach helps coordinate the planning process with Palace Capital's CPAs, attorneys, family office, and other trusted advisors. So on a personal note, Joe was a member of Boston College's hockey team that reached the Final Four. Not the recent Final Four. But he's married with two sons and a daughter, and Joe is active in his community and enjoys coaching, playing golf, and skiing. So, Joe, welcome. Well, thanks, James. It's great to be here. I look forward to speaking with you this morning. And Charlie, welcome back to you as well. Thanks, James. Happy to be here. So let's get right into it. Joe and Charlie, you know, we're talking about life insurance. Throughout your careers, what are some of the challenges you have encountered when addressing the topic of life insurance with your clients? James, one of the things I've seen is life insurance is really one of the more misunderstood financial assets. I think in large part, it's because the product's off, oftentimes oversold by advisors who think life insurance is the cure for all financial problems. Or the exact opposite, where you see people like Susie Orman on CNBC where they say, you know, don't consider life insurance at all. It's a bad investment. I think that creates sort of a conflict in the client's minds. Charlie, what have you seen? Joe, I agree with your comments. I think another uh, factor is the complexity of it, right? People just don't know which direction to go. You know, you, you hear all these acronyms, VUL, index, term, whole life, adjustable, and it's, it's so complicated that people, it's like deer in headlights. They just... They don't move forward with it. So I think that's one of the, the bigger issues with life insurance. Yeah, I think I also, sorry, Joe, I, I think also, you know, for mo- for many clients, the topic of life insurance is also a topic about mortality and death. And, you know, some people don't like to contemplate that. Yeah. Another is paying premium, right? Who loves to play? Who, who wants to pay a premium? It's really, it's not a product where the client benefits, it's for their heirs. So you have to have sort of a long-term vision of who you're going to benefit. So all these complexities, you know, between products and 
paying premiums and thinking about death and so forth is one of you know many of the reasons why it's a complicated product. Yeah, and I think you know, Charlie, you mentioned uh, you just said there uh, that you know you as the insured don't benefit; it's for somebody else. And yeah, I think in large part that's true. But I think most people think of life insurance as primarily a risk management tool, making sure, in other words, making sure my family has enough if I'm no longer around. If that's generally true, then why do wealthy people buy life insurance? Joe, you want to take that one first? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you're talking about wealthy people and generational wealth, it kind of goes back to Charlie's earlier point is sort of what's in it for me. When people are thinking about transferring assets, not just to their children, but to their grandchildren, that sort of generational wealth, oftentimes we're looking at trusts and trust investments. And life insurance is one of the most predictable and tax efficient investment vehicles you can use in that sort of multi-generational wealth planning. Yeah, I agree, Joe. I think, you know, first of all, it's easy, right? You pay a premium and your family collects a death benefit. So from that standpoint, it's easy. It's liquid, meaning that if you die, the money's generated in cash. But when, you know, when I look at it as personally, I look at it as an economic deal, right? That's how clients look at it. They, it's when I say economics, what does that mean? Like you're going to pay a thousand dollars in premium. And when I die, I get a hundred thousand dollars when I die. And what that means is, what is that, what is that rate of return to my heirs? So it, you could really break it down and, and think of it that way. It's like if I pay X amount of dollars and I generate a death benefit, that, re, that equates to a 7 or 8 or 9% rate of return when I die. So, and you compare that to other economics. So, you know, in addition to the economics, the tax advantages, and it could be a guaranteed transfer of wealth. Those are all the reasons why I think, you know, James, wealthy people use life insurance. Yeah, Joe, you mentioned uh, a couple seconds ago that, you know, life insurance as a financial asset is just one of many different tools or assets that, you know, an individual might have. And there's that old expression, right? If your only tool is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. And so, (laughs) I mean, you know, I think they're, you know, generally speaking, risk management is, you know, what people think of when they think life insurance. But there are other roles. You mentioned estate, you know, wealth, intergenerational wealth transfer, Joe. What are other things that, you know, you might think of, you know, as an advisor for clients? And certainly you face, you know, all sorts of different clients, right? Not just high net worth clients, but also right. business owner clients, you know, that are concerned about business succession, business owner clients that are concerned about key, you know, person insurance or key person compensation. Life insurance, I know, has played a role in those types of, you know, planning areas. What's been your experience there? I mean, think of your typical business owner, highly motivated, very successful. They're putting every dollar they make back into their business. Where does that leave them? They're in a highly concentrated position with very liquidity, you know, very little bit liquidity. And oftentimes they're relying quite a bit on leverage. They've got a lot of debt oftentimes. Their, their lines of credit are very important. So when you're talking about business owners getting in and out of their businesses or transferring it to their children, they don't have a whole lot of options. It's either they can give away stock, which oftentimes they don't want to do. You know, they have to pay it out of company cash flows, which they want to pay it out, or they have to set up a reserve. And that's typically how I promote life insurance to our business over clients is this is a very predictable way to create a reserve to help pay for a business succession plan. And when you, you put it in those kinds of terms of, you know, how else am I going to get out of this business? All of a sudden, life insurance starts to make a little bit of sense. I don't know what you've seen, Charlie. I've seen all that, Joe. In addition, what about partners in the business, right, where you have multiple owners and one of the owners passes away? We see it all the time. Now, you know, obviously, how does that 
person get cashed out? How does the surviving owner raise the revenue or the cash to pay the family? And oftentimes it's, you know, it's really based out of cash flow. So the surviving owner essentially is strapped with a debt liability to pay off the, you know, deceased owner over a period of time. And they struggle for for years to, to pay it off. So life insurance, I think, is used as a tool to generate the cash to buy out a deceased partner's interest. So extremely important and also you know allow the business to succeed and, and move forward so i see that uh quite often yeah interesting you know not only from a business owner standpoint for protecting for business succession purposes as you just mentioned charlie what about rewarding or incenting those key um, individuals on his or her management team i know i've seen life insurance as part of that solution set i mean there's your traditional solution set right which is Compensation plans, whether it's stock options, restricted stock awards, you know, profits, interests, those are pretty traditional incentive type plans. But where does life insurance play a role in that area? I look at the insurance could be used as the cash accumulation tool within a corporation. I mean, there are institutional type of life insurance contracts, you know, corporate owned life insurance, private placement, or just traditional life insurance, because the nature of the tax benefits, you can generate the cash accumulation income tax free where the corporation is not paying tax on the liability of, of paying out the uh, employee. So often, so it's often used as a cash accumulation tool. So life insurance is a very customizable tool. You can design it for wealth transfer. You can design it for cash accumulation. You can design it for a number of different things. So I see insurance being used in corporations you know, for cash accumulation. Joe, you're, what about you? I mean, in adding to that, I think that's absolutely right. I think the other thing is you know, especially in the closely held and family owned businesses, you know, James's idea of giving equity interest, whether it's stock options or actually giving stock, they don't want to give stock away to non-family members. So this is a way to give some compensation without just giving them a bonus and having no golden handcuffs. There's, you know, with life insurance and some of these deferred comp plans, there's a way to, to lock in key people so that you, you know, you've got vesting and triggering mechanisms out in the future without actually having to give away equity in the company. I think life insurance is similar in some respects to you know other various forms of transferring wealth to the next generation or to a beneficiary. And think of a will or a revocable trust. You do a will and a revocable trust, 10 years go by, it's time to go back and review that will and trust to make sure, you know, have my family dynamics changed, my objectives changed, has the current law changed? And I would imagine life insurance in some ways is similar. You write or you purchase a policy for wealth transfer or for risk management. A number of years goes by, it's important to go back and review and make sure that policy is still, you know, meeting your objectives. Is that fair to say, Joe? Absolutely. I mean, think about what you guys do at Palace Capital in terms of investment, portfolio reviews, you know constantly, you know, monitoring the marketplace. Insurance is probably the largest unmanaged financial asset in someone's portfolio. You're sort of, you're talking about a million, five million, ten million dollars that people invest in this, you know, instrument and never look at it. And even though it's very predictable, changes do happen in industry. Companies go in and out of business. Interest crediting rates change. Costs of insurance change. It's it's just like any other financial instrument. It needs to be looked at. I agree, absolutely agree. At first, I think uh, it's a, it's as important to review a life insurance policy as it is an investment portfolio. If I were to review a policy, I would number one look to make sure the ownership is still appropriate. 
A lot of people will buy it when they're younger and they will own it directly. And over time, they get wealthier. And as a death benefit, will actually be added to your estate and could be taxable for estate taxes. So one is to, to check the ownership. Is there any way that we could maximize the value? Secondly, is to check the beneficiary. Do I have the proper beneficiaries? Have there have been changes in our, my life over the past you know, 20, 30 years. And third is the viability of the policy. Are we still meeting our original projections? Many people bought a policy you know, 10, 20 years ago when the interest rate was 7, 8, 9%, and that's what they were generating you know, for interest in their contract. And now it's been reduced to 4%, which have a very adverse effect on the policy. And often, I hate to say it, oftentimes the policy could lapse before life expectancy. Yeah, I think you know, we should probably just let our listeners know that, you know, there are many different types of life insurance policies, but I think, you know, if we were to select just two broad categories, there's term insurance and there's permanent insurance or quasi-permanent insurance. And so when you're talking about annual policy reviews, certainly term insurance should be part of that, but really you guys are talking about permanent. And in your case, Charlie, you mentioned cash value life insurance policies. And it seems to me that you know, life insurance is a financial instrument. And because it's a financial instrument, it's somewhat impacted, I guess, by the world around it. And, you know, for example, interest rates. And so, you know, you mentioned annual reviews and the importance of it. It sounds to me like change is pretty constant, even in the life insurance industry. What are some current trends or features in life life insurance products today? And, and particularly, I'd say within recent history, where we've seen life insurance or uh, the interest rates just be so low for so long and, you know, for the foreseeable future. I think that's a great point. You know, many insurance contracts are interest rate sensitive. We know what interest rates have done. So that's affected the viability of an individual client's policy. And you also have to look to the carriers because the most part, they take those premium dollars and invest them in bonds in the company's general account portfolio. So, so their profits, you know, and developing these products are interest-based. So you've seen the cost, even though mortality has gone down, you haven't seen big drops in the price of insurance, largely because of that reason, the interest rate assumptions. The other thing is, you know, in the banking crisis, the insurance companies were also required to reserve more capital. And an interesting fact is you've seen a lot of companies now getting out of the insurance business, which goes back to our point of reviewing policies. You've seen a lot of the larger European companies, AXA, Aviva, Voya, they've all, you know, with getting out of selling life insurance. And I've found is experience tells me when people get out of the business of selling life insurance, they tend not to treat their policyholders as well as people that are still actively in the business. I don't know what you've seen, Charlie. I absolutely agree with you, Joe. It's, it's, it's a constant moving target, life insurance, mortality rates, interest rates, products, designs, you know, whether a client is... It, does a client want to take the risk of a policy where they're investing the money in mutual funds versus the, a traditional old whole life contract where the company pays you a dividend? So all that has changed. There are many more options today in the marketplace as a, than there were 20 years ago. So, Joe, you know, in my career, which I believe is a little shorter than yours at this point, I've seen a lot of tax legislation, you know, come across to the public. And, you know, we could go back a number of years, but let's just go back to just a few years ago in 2017 with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And then a couple of years later, we had 2019 and the SECURE Act. And now we have a new administration in the White House and, you know, a, a single party controlled you know, Senate and House of Representatives. So everyone's thinking about, well, what's in the future for tax 
taxes, tax policy. And uh, is it going to change again? Well, you know, like we said, the only thing that we can depend on consistently is that things are going to change. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you think about the role of life insurance with regard to in responding to tax legislation, I can remember years ago, life insurance was preached as the sort of panacea for estate you know, taxes and you own the life insurance in a trust and it's there for estate taxes. Well, then we had the you know, 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and not very many people had an estate tax problem anymore. So we're saying, well, how do we think about life insurance with that world? But now as we come up into the new administration and certainly look into the not too distant future, estate taxes perhaps are looming large again not only estate tax, but income tax too, with the SECURE Act that we mentioned. You know, IRAs have to be distributed within 10 years of the death of, a, of an IRA owner if the beneficiary is not a spouse. So that's going to accelerate an income taxation. I think life insurance starts to come back into vogue, if I can use that expression once again, as a tax management financial instrument. Completely agree. I think, like you said, the only constant we have in tax and estate planning is, is there is no constant. And, you know, Given, you know, we all have probably 30 years of life expectancy, we'll see six or seven more changes along the way. But insurance has been very predictable. I think that's the thing where you see, especially the, the high net worth and the, the ultra high net worth, is it kind of builds a core because it's risk shifting like we talked about. You're paying a premium, especially when you're looking about guaranteed premiums, guaranteed premium, guaranteed death benefit. We know what's going to be there. It's income tax-free. Death benefit is paid to the trust, and trusts, as we know, are taxed at the highest individual rate. So it's paid to the trust, income tax-free. It's a very good leveraging resource for annual gifts because you can pass it on. And then the insurance inside the trust is estate tax-free. I mean, that's been sort of the one constant we can kind of say in planning over the years, regardless of all the other changes, is we know that we're going to have, you know, leverage gifting, income tax-free death benefit, estate tax-free, you know, outside of the estate, you know, properly owned inside a trust. I mean, that that's the thing you have to look at because, I mean, as a tax planner, change is good because it, it opens up the conversation. But when you're talking about, like you said, Biden's proposal is $6 million exemption amount. I don't know if you saw Bernie Sanders came out yesterday, Senator Sanders, 3.75, you know, think all of a sudden, you know, people in the Northeast with a house and a, you know, a beach house, pushes everybody into the estate tax realm again, back when I started practice. Yeah, I agree, Joe. It seems to me every four to eight years, we have a tax change, right, in this country. So who knows what it's going to be like when, you know, when you're ready to depart this earth, right, under what tax regime you'll be in. But I would say life insurance really hasn't changed much over the past, at least my 30 years that I've been here. You know, it's still, like you said, it has all the tax benefits. It's predictable. The pricing changes slightly every so often. The products change slightly. But at the end of the day, if you sit down with a thoughtful professional that understands life insurance, that can custom design something that makes sense for your family, that hasn't changed, you know. So, and if we don't have taxes, it's just a wealth transfer. It goes to your kids. If we have, so it's fair to say the higher the taxes, the more the use of life insurance, right? And I think for the next four years, at least, we're kind of heading down that road. So, 
you'll see it getting a lot more steam now again, and it'd be more in mainstream life insurance. So it's, but, but bottom line is it's still the same product it was 30 years ago. Well, I think we've quoted him before, and I'm not sure if this quote is actually real, but it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin. And that's in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. And so we talked about both of those things today and of course, life insurance. So if death and taxes are a certainty for Mr. Franklin there, then I think what we ought to do is make sure life insurance that we thought we had in place is actually in force. Someone told me a long time ago, Joe, that the best life insurance policy is the one that's in force on the day that you die. So, you know, it, it, to your point, Charlie, and to your point, Joe, it's important to conduct annual reviews. It's important to make sure that you're aware of what current tax legislation is with regard to you personally and your family. It's important to you as a business owner to understand that one of the tools that you should be looking into for your employee compensation plans, for business succession planning, for key person planning could involve and could include life insurance. So knowing who to reach out to who can help you in a professional manner is critical. And to that vein, I would like to tell, let our listeners know if anyone would like to speak to Joe personally, he can. you can reach out to Joe and connect with him directly through us at Palace Capital Advisors. So thanks so much, Joe Donovan from NFP Insurance for being with us today. Enjoyed it. It was a a great day. And like I said before, you know, everything in this area is a custom built house. There are no cookie cutter approaches, very similar to your process in the wealth management area. So I appreciate you having me on. And Charlie, always great to have you on with us today. Thanks, James. I enjoyed it. Listeners, again, if you'd like to speak personally with Joe or other members of his team, you can reach out to him via Palace Capital Advisors. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial planning, reach out to us through our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's P-A-L-L-A-S, capitaladvisors.com. To all of our listeners, we wish you the best. I look forward to connecting with you next time on the Palace Perspectives Podcast. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, Triad Advisors, LLC, and their representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only. It is not personalized investment advice and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security, sector, or strategy to any individual person or entity. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC is a separate entity from Triad Advisors, LLC. Joe Donovan is not registered through Triad Advisors. NFS Insurance is not affiliated with Triad Advisors. 